This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 127 of the podcast where we try to inspire you to move forward in your career in aviation, aerospace, or really anything in life. We want you to succeed, and we want you to succeed in your aviation career. Well, welcome to the show. My name is Carl Valeri, and I am joined today by Tom Wachowski. Tom, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Carl. uh, Two in a row. I appreciate you having me on again. (laughs) It's great to have you. Tom always has some great advice. He looks at it from a little bit different perspective as far as the 135 or, or corporate side of the world, I guess. The, business uh, aviation. Business, oh, that's it. Private, there we go. <laughs> business aviation. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but anyway, let's. Hey, Tom. You know we've got a lot of questions here. Uh, but uh, quick announcements. I know some people have asked about uh, the scholarships guide. We that should have been in the iTunes and also in Amazon.com. We had some major technical problems in the past month, which has uh, kept me up all night long for many nights in uh, a row, and I have gotten little little sleep. Yeah. It just it, anyway. We're gonna we're gonna get that ironed out. Uh, the scholarships guide is going to start moving. I think more towards uh, just a guide that you can find in uh, in Amazon and also in the iBook store. They do a much better job there of distribution. But we know now that we can actually update it and tell you about it, and you can redownload it. So I'm very excited about this. That's for sure. Still keeping it to ten dollars, by the way. If you buy it on the in Amazon. And the iBook store. It's up to, I think it's almost 300 pages now. So if you wanted to print it out, and you could have it too. We're going to start doing that in 2018 uh, as far as a printed copy. But it's something, uh, really, it's more to impress your friends because it's so big. Uh, than, than it's, not, it's, uh, it's very expensive to print something like that. So it's best to keep it. Uh, I want to keep this affordable for the, those po- po- folks that want to get into aviation. Anyway. Tom, uh, let's get started with uh, some of our questions. We're continuing questions from the last episode, and uh, this one says, Aloha, Carl. Great podcast. Love your show. Always look forward to listening to your show. I am 57 years old and have my aircraft dispatcher certificate I received in 2014. I've not used it since I got it and was wondering, am I too old now? If not, what would you recommend to stay current? It would be great if you could have a dispatcher come on your show. Mahalos for taking time to read this. I can tell where this person's from mm-hmm. by what he says at the end. Says aloha. So I, I appreciate that. Um, as far as are you too old? There's there's never too old, especially doing a dispatcher. Uh, but I will I will say this. I have a couple of friends that are dispatchers, and they've agreed to come on the show. Although pinning them down has been difficult, and and that kind of I'm trying to say, trying to think that maybe that's because of the fact that they are so busy, and they need dispatchers right now. There's such a shortage in all jobs in aviation, and uh, you know, especially at the airlines with dispatchers. Some places they they just come and go, so uh, it actually can be an exciting job. It also can be something that's very challenging as a job. It's very very interesting because you know it's up to you and it's up to the captain of the flight to make that flight safe. So yes, we will look into. Uh, getting somebody on here uh, to uh, to have a talk about aircraft dispatcher. So thanks for the, thanks for the email there. Um, moving on to the next question, it says, "Hello, I'm studying aviation. A lot of students that go through here become a CFI to get their hours before going to an airline. 
but I don't think that's for me. I think an episode like 10 career options to build your 1250 or 1500 hours before trying to get to an airline would be a great one. I think that's a really cool one. Uh, that's a good idea. There's uh, also, you know, one of those things that's in there that we don't, we sometimes talk about, and throughout this whole podcast, we've mentioned different things, obviously, uh, doing work for NOAA as a contractor, doing, uh, you know, banner towing, flight instructing, obviously, is a biggie right now. Uh, if you don't want to be an instructor, there's other things out there. We, you know, there's 135, there's cargo, there's all sorts of stuff that you can do. Uh, and that would be a great idea for an episode. So we definitely want to put that together. There, uh, another option too, sometimes we don't talk about is uh, winning the lottery and paying for it. It's kind of, <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I kind of joke about that, but you think about this. If you're somebody who's owned a business and I have friends like this, they have like 3000 yeah, hours right. just flying twin because it was right. for their business. Uh, you could, if you wanted to get into the airlines. Uh, so Tom, what do you think? Think we should try to win the lottery? That's a great option, isn't it? Boy, oh boy! I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Saturday, I almost got up and went and bought a ticket. And I thought, just sit down. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, if you won the lottery, Tom, you'd, you'd buy an airplane, come pick me up, wouldn't you? I hope. Uh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I would. Uh, no, Carl, I would send my airplane. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, send the airplane to come pick you. You know, it's all yeah. about. We, we forget. It's about climbing the stairs in business aviation. We joke. You do not want to climb the stairs and turn left. You want to climb the stairs and turn right. In other words, you go sit in the cabin. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to say that you turn left, you're in the cockpit, and right into the yeah. cabin. All the all the uh, entrances are on the left side of the airplane. There. Uh, I guess that yeah, wouldn't true, be true right? on some other airplanes, right? If you're in a, I don't know, in a Piper. Uh, what other ones are on the right side? Now I can't think of one. Oh, it's horrible. Cirrus, maybe. Cirrus, maybe. Yeah, and uh, you know they use them a lot for business. Obviously, yeah. pretty cool stuff. But uh, good point as far as uh, you know, getting getting the winning the lottery. I would definitely have my my. Uh, airplane that I would look at. It'd be a Stearman is one of them. That's for sure. Mm, That's for yeah. sure. Anyway, let's uh, continue on with, thanks for the question. Yes, we will have a have one on there for the 10 career yeah, options to build your hours. Obviously, CFI is going to be one of them. Uh, and uh, moving on to our next question, it says, good afternoon. First off, I just wanted to thank you for producing this podcast. I am only a student pilot, but I find this podcast enables me to speak intelligently about my possible future in the aviation world. I'd like to stop there and talk a little bit about that paragraph. Number one, you're a pilot. You're not just only a student pilot. This is something you'll you'll find people saying throughout their entire career is that I am only a Cessna pilot or I am only this type or I'm only a first officer. You are where you are. You're a pilot. Be proud of it, first of all. Uh, you are always, and Tom, you can back me up on this, you're always going to be a student pilot, won't you? <laughs> That's so true. Boy, you could bold underscore highlight that one. It's uh. I, I, it's funny you say that. I literally, for about two and a half hours today, was reading through some IFR procedures and a manual for my airplane. It, it, you literally, you're always a student pilot. That's true. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Tom and I, you know, we've been doing this for a few years. Uh, we were looking at some charts today and discussing uh, ra yes. a route that I fly often. And uh, and then we were talking about CPDLC, which is something he's doing that I have never done before, and I just took the course on it. It's the compu uh, controller pilot data link uh, communications that mm -hmm. we have that's automated. 
haven't made it through satellite, uh, which is awesome, awesome stuff, and something that I'm doing that's new. And it's kind of neat that uh, no matter where you are in aviation, this is what's so cool, is there's always something more to learn. And it's it's neat to sit down and talk with other pilots about uh, different approaches and approach procedures. And, and we do that at the Stuck Mike Avcast because that's more of a technical podcast, uh, or we talk about technical things, I should say. But it, it is true that you're always, always going to be learning. And when you stop learning, you get dangerous, that's for sure. So make sure you, you continue that and, be, and continue with uh, thinking yourself as a, as a student. Uh, so you're not only a student, you will always be a student, is my comment that I want to make there. Um, anyway, another thing that's kind of is really cool about what you said is, and, and I appreciate this comment, is that this podcast enables you to speak intelligently about my possible future in, avi- in the aviation world. I want to back up and, and say that right there is one of the reasons I started this years ago is that there was so many people out there that wanted to get information about aviation and aerospace, but they didn't know what questions to ask and they didn't have any resources. And it really frustrated me when I was young that I would go to a counselor at a school and they knew nothing about aviation and they would say, oh, just go join the military go fly in the military, and then you go fly for the airlines. And uh, I realized after doing much research that that wasn't true, but there was no other avenue out there to discuss this whole career uh, choice of aviation, et cetera. And that's that's the reason we put this together, and it's incredibly exciting uh, to have people write into this and finally realize that you know my, my goal has been fulfilled by what you just said there is that it's actually helping you. So thanks yeah. thanks for that Very right cool. there. Um, anyway, he continues, I am recently married and in my fourth year as an Army officer. Uh, I have three years to go until I have my full GI Bill benefits. My plan is to complete my private pilot license this year out of pocket. Between completing my private pilot license and the time I get out, I will build hours and work towards an instrument rating. As you mentioned in your episode about the GI Bill, it is difficult to get the government to pay for ratings slash flight training unless it is a university or a Part 141 school. My question is this. Would there be any sort of master's, quote-unquote, in aviation or two-year schooling that would bring a private pilot all the way through multi-engine CFI commercial ending and an air transport pilot certificate. I know there are accelerated programs, but as I understand, most of them won't usually count for the GI Bill. I listened to your episode about the GI Bill twice. I found it incredibly helpful and informative. Thank you for spending the time talking about it. As far as I'm concerned, this podcast is a public service. Well, I appreciate that. And I really think that one of the things you need to look at, first of all, I mentioned the last episode, is at the top of the website now on Aviation Careers Podcast, I have a Veterans Benefits tab there. You can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash vets or click on Veterans Benefits and Information. It has all this information about the GI Bill and uh, and your benefits. So that, that can help you there. Uh, it is true, yes, it's a little bit tougher to get your private. There's also some more scholarships coming out for veterans to get their private. Hats off to the first one that I know of. And that's at uh, Florida State College, the Tallahassee. Uh, that they brought that to my attention. I'm sure there's other ones out there, uh, but they actually started a private pilot scholarship uh, so that people that are coming out that are veterans can get their private. Right now, the GI Bill does not cover the private. Uh, it only covers instrument and commercial under uh, 141 schools. And uh, the tough part about this is that those schools uh, for the 
private. They have to actually own their airplane. And uh, most state schools that you go to don't own airplanes. Uh, state of Florida doesn't allow state schools to mm-hmm. own airplanes. Uh, so that actually has throttled the number of people that will be able to go out and get their private pilot certificate and move forward in the career. Uh, it's a bit of a snafu, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, that uh, that's a miss. That's a miss. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that uh, you know the thing things I was hoping they would get better, uh, but they haven't for for our our veterans. Yeah. Uh, but there are people out there that are are really trying to help. So in that case, there are private individuals and different colleges that do want to help out, and that's what's really, really cool. Uh, As far as the question you asked about a quote-unquote master's in aviation, remember, um, let's take the first part of that, to get from your private pilot through your multi-CFI ending your ATP. Let's just talk about the CFI commercial. Yeah, there's a lot of programs out there that'll take you from point A to point B. Your local flight school a lot of times will have some type of an accelerated program that you may not know about. There's the big ones out there, but there's smaller ones that don't advertise as much as these bigger ones in the big national media. One of the things that I did is I did mine at one of those schools. They did some local advertising, and I was able to bang through some of the ratings really quickly, especially with my multi-engine commercial and then my multi-engine instructor. I think I did it in three days total. With that said, I had my multi-private already, and I've been flying in a twin engine. But there's a bunch of schools out there. Obviously, we know the big ones. Um, but uh, and if you're looking for multi-engine, you know, quick courses, they are there. You just have to be careful that you uh, make sure you have the money to do it, uh, because yeah. uh, right away you're going to be putting a lot of cash out on the barrel head for that. Uh, but there's lots of loan programs, and they have other other programs out there for uh, for scholarships, etc. Ending in the ATP, you definitely need the hours for that, and that's the only way to go there is uh, you have to have the, the 1,500 hours uh, unless, obviously, you went through one of these other programs, but uh, you don't have the, the restricted ATP uh, abilities there. So uh, make sure uh, you actually get your full 1,500 hours. So that last part that you asked about ending at the ATP, uh, the only way you would get into a program like that is if, if that that program had, like, say, a 135 certificate mm. where they could actually transition you into the right seat 135. Uh, so there are those out there. In other words, uh, a good example is uh, there's the regional airlines that are flying piston aircraft. A lot of times they're transitioning to a 135 scheduled service. Going back to the old days, isn't that interesting, Tom, how we're kind of going backwards yeah. now because of the new yeah. rule to make us have more hours? Uh, right. we're, we're actually, because remember the commuters, they truly were just piston aircraft, what yeah. they called oh, the yeah. puddle jumpers. All of a sudden a puddle mm-hmm. jumper became a hundred seat aircraft. Uh, you right. know, <laughs> it was like, wow, that happened very quickly. Uh, obviously most of the aircraft are limited by about 70 seats because of, uh, restrictions with the airlines that they're flying for. Uh, but there are some airlines that own their own quote unquote regionals and they're up to a hundred seats. And man, I tell you. The uh, the quote unquote regional days are over, so you're not gonna yeah. be you're not gonna be yeah. going out there getting a 135 schedule operators uh, a job out there very quickly. There's very few and far between, but they are out there. Don't get me wrong, they're out there. Uh, so just start looking for them. Remember, remember, you'd have those airlines that you would go through their training, and then you'd be put right in the right seat. You basically were paying yeah. for that job. Uh, I so. have seen some uh, some 135s that run shuttles for organizations, you know, so somewhat scheduled. Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's and those are options, too. It's, uh, again, looking at their insurance and what what will allow you to do that. Right. That job. So 
They're out there. You just have to research them. I think one comes to mind. Was it Air Wisconsin? If I, I hope I'm getting that right. But they have a program now uh, with some of their piston aircraft that's 135 schedule. Uh, so yeah. so you, you can find that. I mean, I started off, uh, when I started off, we had 135 scheduled operations. And then they got rid of the, uh, the what is it, Beach 1900s. And they mm-hmm. moved on to the Brasilias, and then from there we went to an mm-hmm. all-jet fleet, and then uh, from there it was all scheduled 121. So something to look at. Uh, so that's that's really, really important. Uh, moving on as far as uh, different programs, there's tons of them out there. Um, we've talked about them uh, quite a few times. Anyway, thanks for the question. Thanks for your service. And uh, I, I really hope you look at our veterans page. If you have suggestions, by the way, please put them on the website. If you have any other links you want me to put out there, that's awesome. Anyway, Tom, let's see. We have time for another one. Of course we do. Let's see. The next one comes in and is actually somebody that, uh, oh, yeah, we had talked about this last time. And uh, this is somebody I hope to have on the podcast eventually. But I do want to answer, or I should say, I do want to read their response. I think it's really important. We've gotten away from talking about other aviation jobs because the regionals are hiring so much. It's just gotten crazy. Uh, but we do want to have people on talk about drones. Obviously, we talked about drones in an episode and dispatchers, et cetera. It's just that we've gotten such a flood because of the, the floodgates are open for hiring at the, <laughs> at the majors. Tom, by the way, as far as the, the corporate world, you've seen that. That's actually uh, uh, making it more challenging, hasn't it, for hiring people in the corporate world and the business aviation world? Yeah, our problem is not so much finding guys as it is finding – or girls uh, – as it is finding – you know, there's kind of two challenges. One is finding people with the experience, and it's easy to find somebody with challenger experience or this experience or that experience. But when I say experience, it's it's dealing with the customer. You know, that that's uh, that that's tough. We we forget in business aviation, we're we're not in business aviation. We're in the customer service business. We just happen to do it with airplanes, and so so that's a challenge. And uh, the other challenge is finding people who are in, – in this side of aviation, you're not just a pilot. You're kind of part admin. You're kind of part hangar guy. You're kind of part maybe owner gopher is the wrong word, but that's kind of where it goes. And so it's difficult to find people who are willing to kind of juggle all those balls. Right. Interesting, interesting. Um, so that that's it. That's uh, that's a good point. That was awesome. Um, one of the things that I I think is interesting as far as the business aviation side of things is how many people I'm hearing, you know, in these questions saying to me, you know, hey, I think the airlines isn't the way I want to go. I want to make one comment on that uh, because I had thought I was going business aviation. I had no clue I was going to go to the airlines. Uh, really make sure that you try it out, see if you like it. I know, Tom, uh, you enjoy the business aviation side much better, and I kind of like the airline side better. Um, but there are things about Tom's job I wish I had. You know, in the perfect world, I'd like to have all the good things he had. Oh, and, likewise. Yeah, yeah and there you go, right? So, <laughs> I think you and I talked one time about how we could just switch for a week. Yeah, It'd be so fun. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be awesome. But uh, I'm going to ask my boss yeah. tomorrow and see what he says. Yeah, right. yeah uh, that ain't going to happen. Um, anyway, uh, this <laughs> moving on to the next question. By the way, this comes in from a flight attendant. And uh, again, uh, actually, you know what? We're not going to read this one. There's another flight attendant one I want to read because this person, I was just reminded, is actually coming on the podcast and is going to agree to an interview. Uh, so we won't uh, go through this because uh, there will be a repetition. Uh, we definitely want to talk more about flight attendant jobs. 
With that said, the following question, or the following is a, was written in from a, uh, from a flight attendant, and uh, we don't want to mention any airlines here uh, in general, but let me read his, uh, his response, talking about flight attendant pay. Um, flight attendant pay. Uh, he said regarding episode 123 and your question regarding flight attendant pay. He works for an airline, and this is how their pay scale works. And again, this is hourly rates. Uh, he gave me a, a rundown of their airline's pay scale. The first uh, year, first six months is 2514, then 2546, 27, 29, 32, uh, goes up to 6330 per hour is the top off. Uh, he does tell us a little bit about that, so I wanna, I'm going to post that on the website, by the way, the pay scale. Uh, he says the first step is after six months, then one year thereafter. In other words, the first step in your income. Most airlines, they start you off with an hourly rate, and then you move up. As far as pilot pay, by the way, usually your first hour, first year's pay a lot of times doubles in your second year. That's kind of They're getting a little bit away from that because first-year pay is actually becoming more competitive nowadays. It used to be the salad days was your first 12 months. Nowadays, they actually have to attract pilots and pay them better, so you, are, you will be making good money your first year as a pilot. Uh, this person continues. Uh, this is our pay scale starting in November of 2018. Uh, where it's the highest. Uh, we pay per trip, which is a formula based off mileage, so it's not the same as an hourly, but it's close. Now, this is really important to listen to this. This is really cool if you're thinking about a flight attendant job. Uh, as a topped-out flight attendant, it's not out of the question to make six figures. A smart employee will work 110 to 120 trips per month, which equates to eighty-five to 95000 per year, not including per diem and other compensation. We don't have minimums or maximums, but typical lowest paying month will be roughly 70 hours or 55000 per year. Vacation is up to five weeks per year, earned after 18 years, and we are paid a minimum of 26 trips per vacation, but it can be more based on what you bid and have been pulled, or have uh, pulled, I should say. Uh, we can also work during vacation. Top out is at 13 years. Since we don't have minimums or maximums, we can work as little as one day per year or as much as legally allowed by the FA, which can get towards 200 hours per month or 150,000 per year. I hope this helps. Also, I enjoy the shorter episodes as long as they are more frequent. Well, we are doing more frequent. I appreciate the feedback. But just remember, no matter what job you're in, you can make some really good money. Uh, as a as a flight attendant, you can make really good money if you're willing to put in a lot of hours. Uh, that's the reason. If you ever notice your friends that become flight attendants, if they can make it past six months, they're probably going to make it to the next six months. If they can make it after a year, they're probably going to be there for thirty. <laughs> that's that's always my theory. I know there's a lot of people that get burnt out, but uh, Tom, you you know a lot of people that are flight attendants, and and boy, they they seem to stick around in that job for a while, and I think that's why, isn't it? Is because of the pay and the benefits. Yeah, you know, they're using an adventurous type. And I can, just speaking from my airline days, uh, everything you said is correct. On the corporate side, you find a, a bit of a different type of person who is a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say less adventurous, but but it's definitely, I've noticed, a different type of person as a flight attendant on corporate or business versus airline. And not good, bad, just just different. So, uh, which is also a, a career that, uh, you know, I don't know specific numbers, 
but I have general ideas and uh, the numbers that you just gave, you could probably safely tack 20% minimum onto that as a business aviation flight attendant. Wow. And those jobs are really cool. Um, remember, we did have somebody from Beyond and Above, I think it was called, or Above and Beyond, the, the school that's in Fort Lauderdale. They have a wonderful corporate aviation mm. school. Uh, it really is a different, how, how should I say this, maybe a different skill set in, yes, in the corporate world and the business yep. aviation world. Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a different operating environment where, uh, just like you, Tom, you do so many things compared to a pilot at, uh, say, uh, an airline. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. I mean, shoot, I barely can find the, you know, the door to the bathroom in the back of the airplane. <laughs> you know, you laugh, but I couldn't, yeah, this is going to, uh, I know I should, what I you sh- mean. <laughs> I shouldn't actually admit this on, a, on the podcast, but I had no clue. And one of the airplanes I fly is a 200 seat airplane. I had no clue. They had just reconfigured the aircraft. I didn't know where the bathroom was in the right. back of the plane. They had MEL'd the one in the front. And That's I get funny. back there and I, I look at the flight attendants and they're looking at me. I was like, well, because uh, they're all different sizes. I said, well, which one of these is the biggest one? And they pointed and I <laughs> went into the one that was the smallest one. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, yeah. I, and that, it's funny to hear that from somebody. But think about this. For the, I've been flying, you know, this aircraft for maybe about a year now, the 200 seater. And I've never been in the back of the airplane as a passenger until right. right. a week right. ago. Yeah, no, no, no. It's what people forget. You know, our job's up front. Yeah, yeah. And we have and, no uh, clue. And when you're, right. but you, uh, you know your airplane, don't you? I do. I know that airplane fairly well, and and I think I could speak for anybody in the business aviation side because you are, you, you know. So I have kind of two planes that I fly. They're the same, and we we have two of them, and and they're my baby. I mean, they're really, uh, you know, you go there and and. You, you kind of becomes kind of like a race car driver in his race car. You know, it's like that's your machine. And so you get to be real good friends with it uh, inside, outside, uh, you know, manufacturer support, maintenance. You just you, you really know that machine. It's, it's totally different than the airlines where you show up and it's, you know, another plane. Oh, that's for sure. I may have to cut out that part where I talked about I couldn't find the bathroom in the back of the plane, though. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll leave it in. No, I won't. I don't know what I'm going to do there. <laughs> but no, no, it's good. It, it, it's good because it's, it's real. I mean, it's, this is what it's embarrassing. Know, if isn't you've it? never stood in those shoes, you don't think about these things. You know, you just oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and really, you know, when we divide up kind of uh, responsibilities in our operation, somebody's responsible for the front. You know, know the front and uh, you just can't know everything. So it's, it's, I don't think that's uh, out of the question to not know where the bathroom is. I don't think that's out at all. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. You're making me feel better already. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, oh, gosh. We, we have way too much fun here. But the, uh, one, of, one of the things that I think the point is you really, it's, it's amazing how, how much uh, you get involved in so many really cool aspects when you do get into business aviation. Um, Anyway, let's move on to the next question. And by the way, thanks for that information. That was awesome uh, for sharing that. If anybody wants to share their job and something unique about their job, please write in. We'll read it here. We'll interview you if you want. But if you don't want to be interviewed, please write in. I'll, I'll read it over here if, if it's something really of value we could share. Uh, we do have time for one more question. Let's go on to the, the last one here. It says, uh, hi, I am currently a high school senior whose dream is to become a commercial pilot. I discovered your podcast in November and have found myself listening to them on the way home from classes. I'm involved in a dual enrollment program through the community college 
and my high school. Very where cool. I le- that is awesome. That is really I awesome. I did that. Very cool. Did you really? It's it's a great, oh yeah. my gosh, isn't that, it's in- incredible. Yeah, you get to leave school early. And That's <laughs> <laughs> not the only reason you do it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. He's a smart man. He's a smart man. <laughs> it is. Uh, so he just, he says that. He's, he leaves school halfway through the day and he goes to college to take aviation classes, which is wow. really neat. Uh, we have dual enrolled students over at Polk State College, obviously, where I coach a flight team there and, and uh, among other things I do over there. But it's uh, it's really cool to have people over that are dual enrolled uh, and then have that passion for aviation. Uh, one of the neat things, this actually happens in you know the college I went to. Uh, it was a Jesuit school where a lot of people that get a Jesuit education prior to going to college, they can actually place out of a lot of their classes. It's almost like yep. a dual enrollment. That's yep. what this person is doing. It'll save you time. It'll save you money. You're going to move on to a, your aviation career very, very quickly. A lot yeah, shortens of the path for sure. It really, really does. Uh, he continues, I am currently in the private pilot ground school, and I enjoy listening to your podcast on my way there and on my way home. I'm in college decisions process and just got deferred at a state university. That is my dream school. So I found myself in a pretty low spot because getting deferred also takes me out of a pretty big scholarship opportunity. I happened to check your podcast in class and noticed you had a new podcast from earlier that day that was 36 minutes. It takes me 35 to get home. I put it on. It was about aviation scholarships. I feel like God has been giving me signs that I will end up that where he has planned. So I want to thank you for the most recent podcast. The question I had about that is if there's a specific date that the scholarship book will be released on Amazon. Yeah, it was supposed to be released at the beginning of the year. I explained before, we, we had some major, major issues here. Uh, just Actually, a lot of them were, were personal, and uh, a lot of them were also had to do with uh, some technical issues. It, I just got battered. Uh, they shut my website down. There's all sorts of stuff that, that, that happened, and uh, but we're taking care of that. Uh, the... Um, let me continue. He might ask it here. So uh, he has the one question I have hopefully may help other listeners who are interested in starting the journey in aviation to make it a career is what exactly is the process to become a commercial pilot? I know that once you get your certificates and ratings, you move on to start flying and end up at a major airline. But where do you start? I hear you talk about the regionals, commuters and legacies, but I'm not sure what the difference is between them and the process to get to the major airlines. Thank you so, so much for your time. Question? Yes, go ahead. Uh, and I'm asking because I don't understand this terminology, so I, I got to think somebody listening doesn't either. He was deferred oh. to uh, – what does that mean, States. deferred to a – Yeah, the, a lot of people, you know, they're on, on wait lists or deferred at a college. I don't I guess this never happened to you. I've been deferred at a college that I wanted to go to. In other words, I, I was put on a list. And uh, it means different things at different schools, by the way. But but in general, it just puts you on, on a list that says, okay, you you might be accepted if there's like an opening. I guess it's a good way to put mm. it almost. It's a, a simplistic see. way of saying it. But um, you, you can be listed on a, a certain school and really want to go there. My brother was like that at one school that he really wanted to go to, and then found out he really liked the school he went to. So that was that was pretty cool, right? Uh, so, I, so so now understanding that, hey, there's a reason for everything. Move, you know, yeah, move yeah. on, so to speak. It's uh, and, and, and you know, I I live up in Michigan. I know that school uh, uh, people up here would say, move on, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan. Do they still have a football team there? Oh yeah, they do. something about football. Yeah, I don't. Anyways, anyways oh, we yeah. won't get. So into let me ask the second so, part of this was to answer his question, Carl. Uh, and, and you know, you and I have kind of talked about this over time, but I've never really gotten the full uh, 
the, the full story, I guess. So he's asking, what is the process to become a commercial pilot? So Carl, you're a commercial pilot, airline transport pilot, but everybody thinks commercial pilot. So maybe can you tell us your path? How did you do it? Yeah, and it, and you know what? It uh, it changes with everybody, but it's really right, rather, right. It, and it's never the same. Uh, some people, they, they have this, uh, you know, you get your licenses, you move on, you fly for, quote, like you said, a regional and move on to the, the legacies, et cetera. But there's some terms here, though, I think we should define first. Uh, mm. A commercial pilot, a lot of people think of that as the person that's flying for the airlines. Uh, there's a difference between what a commercial pilot is uh, perceived in the public, which is what we are, uh, but there's also what a commercial pilot certificate is. That means you can get paid to fly. Uh, you know, when you're 18 years old, you can get to pay to fly. You can get your uh, commercial pilot certificate. So normally people get their private, they get their instrument certificate, then they move on and they get the commercial pilot certificate, which means that you can get paid to fly. That doesn't mean you can go on to a commercial airline. The next step from there is some way to get into an airline or a corporate job where you're building time to move on to the larger airlines or the majors or the legacy. So let's re let's define that in a second here. But afterwards, the regionals or commuters are used, the terms are used interchangeably. We kind of talked about this before, but the regionals and commuters are the people that are feeding the major airlines. And those are the people like the uh, the Air Wisconsin's, the Chautauqua's, the Express Jets, the Sky West's out there, the Republic the Airlines. Atlantic Coast Airlines. Atlantic Rest Coast Soul. Airlines is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was Arrested Soul. But the, uh, the, uh, there's, there's a lot of ones out there that feed the major airlines. That's what we mean by the commuters. Here's an interesting point, by the way, and I'm gosh, I'm glad you brought this up. One of the things that's that's happened, we talk about going from the regionals that were these turboprops, puddle jumpers, to uh, regional jets, which are up to 70 to 100 seats. Those jobs that were at the majors are now flown by the regionals. And, and the, I know it gets my major airline pilot friends really mad when I say this, but it took them uh, many years to realize how important it is. Uh, to actually, you know, change what's called the scope or the amount, the size of the airplanes that can fly in the regionals, because there's nothing preventing the majors from sending the 737s to fly at the regionals. The regional airlines is it's just a name. It just means that you're going to be flying for an airline that's going to feed another airline. But, but just remember this: there are some flights in the majors that are just like regional flying. I did them the other day. I was island hopping in an Airbus. And I'm doing flights that are 85 miles long. 85 miles, you don't do that in a big jet usually. So that's usually regional flying. So we've we've taken these terms and we've taken these different steps along the way and we've kind of melded them together a little bit. Uh, but in the traditional path, let's go to traditional path, is, is to get your certificates, become a flight instructor, build your hours, do some pipeline patrol, that type of thing. Then get hired by a regional because the majors want you to have some experience, and that's where you get most of your experience is at the regionals. And then you know, the commuters, the same, we use that interchangeably. And then you can move on to the majors, the majors being people like Delta, United, that type of thing. The legacies are the Deltas, the Uniteds, the ones that have been around for a while. We talked a little bit about that in one of our episodes with the legacy uh, carriers are, but they're usually the ones that have been around for a while. The the major airlines also, they include things like the newer airlines, the, the Frontiers, the the Spirits, the JetBlues, that type of thing. And they're, they're all the major jo major airlines out there. But the process is is always varied. It's never the same. So mm -hmm. is there a definitive, you do this, this, and this? It's not like going to college. You know, you go one, two, three, four, and that's it. You're four years and you're done. Uh, but there's people that vary that path too. 
But yes, it's just, you know, most people, again, go through private instrument commercial and then they get their flight instructor certificate. They get their multi-engine certificate so they can fly a plane that has two engines and that's what the airlines want to see. They move on to the regionals and then they move on to the majors or quote unquote the legacies. Um, I hope that's helped a little bit, but how, how long does that take, Carl? Anywhere so from five. He, he's yeah, he's working on his private, and uh, he's going to to right seat in a regional flying a, a, a regional jet. So we always tell people if you want to get to your goal eventually, uh, give yourself five to ten years to get to your your resting spot where you want to be. Uh, to mm, get from okay. from so that that's just a general. We talk about that a lot mm-hmm. from five to ten years till you get to your actual goal. Some people do it in more than that. Some people do it in less than that. But from from point A to point B, it's it's not. You can do it very very quickly. Yeah, and, and, and uh, it's funny so, because five or ten years on the front end seems like forever, but on the back end, uh, no, I think nothing. you and I are here to say, Carl, it's oh, yeah. quick. Yeah, it's really quick. <laughs> I mean, I've what year am I in? I think I'm in my twenty. Let's see, nineteen ninety nine was uh, the first year I started flying, quote unquote, commercially or as a I shouldn't say commercially as a flight instructor, and I started making money. Uh, so yeah. it's been been a while, um, and eighty nine is when I started flying. Uh, wow, so okay. I did 10 years of actually private flying. So one of the things that, that I think is really important is to make people realize that there are so many different paths along the way to get to the majors or your final resting point. You had asked a question, though. I don't think I answered is, um, you know, how long does that take to get from where you are to the regionals? Uh, it can take as, as little as six months to a year. Uh, but that would the only way I've seen that happen is if you had an opportunity right away after getting all your ratings after six months, moved on to a job and flew a whole bunch. Uh, that actually is very difficult to do, um, and it's uh, I haven't seen really that's that's the the ten percent or five percenters do that. But it's going to take a couple years uh, to get from the point where, and if you're working a lot to get to the point where you get to a regional. You're going to spend a few years at the regional, say two to three years at a regional, before you're eligible to go to a major. Uh, that could be longer depending on where you are. Uh, and, and what happens is this. Uh, we need to see people that have been sitting in the left seat usually at the majors, yeah. and we want to see people that have pilot command time. Uh, so that might take you a couple of years to get to that point. So that's where I get that five years from. That's the low mm-hmm. end, okay? And then up to 10 years to get to your your goal. 10 years is a good – I like to give myself 10 years. Five years you can do it in a very quick quick path. But remember, you have to have that four-year degree to get into the majors, that type of thing. And a lot of people, um, they start off at different points in their lives. Uh, some people took 10 years, but they started when they were 16. You know, mm-hmm. 26 years mm-hmm. old is not a bad age to get hired by a major airline. Then you see yeah. people have taken five years, but they're 50 years old. And right. so it right. all depends on where you are in life. Uh, I know that's that's a it's a hard you know answer to that question, but it's uh, you know it's it varies, but that's usually the the route. And also going back to the, you asked about the scholarships. By the way, the online directory is always current. Uh, if you pay for the membership for the ten dollars a month. Uh, that actually is is the most current scholarships are right there online. We, what we do is we take those scholarships, we put them into the book, we put them out on Amazon. So the most current is what we have online uh, right now. But uh, as as the scholarships guide grows uh, incrementally, there's percentage wise there's less new scholarships than were, there were before. Although this year was a big jump uh, than than there was before. But if I put a scholarship in there tomorrow, and the book's been published since last week, then 
you know, obviously that one scholarship's not out there, and that might speak towards you. Uh, so just remember, we're always updating. It'll never be current because there's no way it'll ever be current because we're always adding new scholarships to it. So hopefully that answered that question. Tough question, though. Really good questions, that's for sure. Right, Tom? Yeah, good question. Uh, yeah. By the way, going back to what you said before, and this is something I want I just want to address, and, and that's uh, don't let your failures take the wind out of your sails. Keep sailing. Keep moving forward. Don't, you know, every re, everything happens for a reason, and they're all learning processes. And this isn't the first time you're going to have a failure. You're going to have uh, a hiccup in the road. Uh, you're going to have a setback in life. They will come, and they will continue to come. But most importantly, to succeed, you need to keep moving forward. And I know Tom is a great example of that, as has always been moving forward in his career. And in Charge everything he does. On. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, so anyway, Tom, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we went a little bit long on this one, uh, but this was an awesome question. And I think uh, just in general, like we say every episode, you know, this person here is a good example of somebody who, who's had a little bit of a setback. Sometimes when you're taking that one step forward, you get knocked back two to five steps. But the most important thing is to continue moving forward because, you know, those two to five steps backwards, you'll make them up and two to five steps, won't you? You'll keep moving and you'll go forward. You'll go many steps beyond that. Think about how many steps you take in a year. And it makes those couple of steps look really, really small, doesn't it? So that's why I say just take something, do something now. Take a small step now, move forward in your career. And you know what? I know and I, I in my heart, believe that you will be successful in your career and your life. Well, thanks and from myself and from Tom. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.